0: I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie,
1: And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 244. Y'all, the crown is back. I have been seeing a lot of TikToks, like the ads for it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's all I know about it.
0: I still feel like they jumped so far in the timeline. Like, they went from i don't even know what to like all of a sudden princess diana was there on like season three you know yeah i don't know what season it was but i'm like i feel like they missed so much to like go ahead and jump to her because she's who people want you know and now it's like kind of slowing down a little bit but this season so far they've like um focused on different characters and their lives a little bit more i feel like good so far
1: the person who plays diana she does look like her
0: see she wasn't my favorite the, the people that they've cast for Diana haven't been my favorite. Really? Yeah.
1: I saw her... Um, she's
0: beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And uh, she's got yeah. like that long neck like her. So she's she favors her.
1: Yeah. Well, I saw like a side-by-side of the she's in a black dress. I think. Yeah. You think that's the most iconic... Girl, I can't remember what I did last night. Well, actually, I can't because I'm boring. But... You know what I mean? Like The I
0: whole can't. the whole purpose of that, and everybody that's from across the pond is like, Jesus, Carrie, you don't understand it all. But Prince Charles, well, now King, was doing an interview at that moment. And so it was like, basically, from what I understand, about the, because I hadn't got to that part, but like about kind of the fallout of their marriage. So she chose to go to a very public place looking fucking amazing to be like, I'm not watching it. I don't give a fuck.
1: Mm. Well, but I saw that side by side and she looked like her. I was like...
0: She does good with her mannerisms too. Like how she like looked down a lot. You know, I feel like in these intros, all we do is talk about TV.
1: (laughs) Well, that's all we do. Okay.
0: TV and work. That's it. That's (laughs) the only thing that fits me.
1: (laughs) Legit. Okay. Well, this isn't about TV. Remember back in the day, like, you know, yesterday, no, but I I'm in a lot of Facebook groups for podcasts that I listen to. And just like podcast in general groups. And you know, I always used to shamelessly plug our stuff. Only if they were like, I like two hosts, I like this, yeah. you know, like I wasn't just like, Oh, you like a cereal type podcast, you'll love us. Like, we ain't cereal. We eat cereal. We ain't cereal. Big cereal bowls. (laughs) But I was in one of those groups and someone had said like what they like and they had listened to all the episodes. So like they needed a new podcast. Well, you know me, I was like, well, let me roll up my sleeves and type up my whole, you know, shebang that I say. Um, no, I didn't have to because there were like six people in there that put our name down.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Yes. That
0: sounded so <laughs> condescending. And I didn't mean, oh, I love that. that is how that sounded. <laughs> Deaf, not how I mean, meant it to sound, but you get the point.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to say we're so thankful for the creepsters out there that do recommend us and also just like spreading the word about our podcast and the community wearing merch, word of mouth, leaving stickers in public, you know, all of that. It really means a lot to us.
0: Also, uh, happy Thanksgiving this week if you're in the States.
1: Yeah. Okay, so are you a ham girl or a turkey girl? Ham.
0: Well, ham now. Leftover turkey sandwiches. Mm, yeah. White meat. Yeah. I don't like the dark meat.
1: I l- used to love my mom's turkey salad sandwiches. Oh, my
0: God. Yes.
1: <laughs> it was the best.
0: It was so good. And
1: she always put them in that, like, brown... Yes. Uh, like, container. microwavable container. Yeah.
0: God, that was so freaking <laughs> good.
1: Yes. And I like thin ham. I don't like a thick... I mean, I like a thick piece of meat, but not, not to eat.
0: We had a Thanksgiving lunch at work the other day. And they catered it in, which is was very nice. And there was a lot of dark meat turkey left. And they were like, if anybody wants this to like make gumbo or something like that, you know, come get it. And I was like, dang, I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. awesome. Like, get all this dark meat turkey for free.
1: Yeah. Also, I like my turkey dry. So Yes, you do. <laughs> so anyone who actually cooks it and it's like, Oh, this is so moist. This is so blah, I'm like, Yeah feels undercooked for me, so it's a no. Isn't that funny just, like, how you grow up, and it really does shape who you are, like, Mm palate-wise.
0: My nephew asked me the other day, does your uh, taste buds, do they really change every seven years? And I was like, I don't know. I think so. I was like, I don't know, but I have heard that the older you get, like, the less your taste buds are sensitive, so that's why older people tend to, like, um, like, you want to use the word sharp, like, turnip greens and all that just have like they're mm. and and like even like green peppers like they just have like a bite to them yeah and so you're able to tolerate foods that have that i don't know you will know i describe foods weird
1: <laughs> no i get that well in your old age you won't find mac and cheese spicy <laughs>
0: okay one time and it just had a lot of black pepper i wasn't expecting it you say one thing one time in college and you never fucking live it down never
1: so I want Thanksgiving food because I love dressing. I also love stuffing. You know, I love carbs. It carbs in any mm-hmm. form. I love Me em. too.
0: But Give me all the sides. I honestly could take or leave the ham and turkey. I just Same. want all the sides.
1: Same. And a roll on top of all that.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, you had TV talk and food talk. Okay. Now all we need is TikTok and then we're, that's us.
0: Well, instead of TikTok, let's tell them about Function of Beauty. What is Function of Beauty, you ask? Well, it's the world's first fully customizable hair care that gives you individually filled shampoo bottles, conditioners, styling, and treatment formulas based on your hair type. Now look, they probably don't want us to say this, but I'm going to. you will know I don't wash my hair all the time. Yes, we know. Well, I have to do it even less with the shampoo and conditioner now that I got from Functional Beauty because it cleans my hair so good. I've gone to like for sure now once a week instead of twice a week. Dang. So I know they probably don't want me to say that because like, you know, you're not using it as much, but like it cleans the crap out of my hair.
1: Yeah, that's amazing.
0: And not in like the stripping it of things. Like it does a really good job. Oh, and you remember how last time we talked about this and I was like... I should have done different colors. I did. Oh my god. I got purple and blue. Shampoo's purple, blue's my uh my conditioner. But I did get like real purple shampoo that's supposed to help with your blind yeah. to not be brassy. I got that too. Awesome. So because Function of Beauty is so tailored to you, there are literally 54 trillion possibilities of formulations. So, like, you are not going to get the same thing that I have or Donna has if I ever let her talk.
1: (laughs) Well, y'all know me and Carrie couldn't be more different in our hair types. She's long and has those luscious curls. And me, I got four strands of hair. (laughs) Very short and very straight.
0: Thank you, autoimmune, huh? (laughs) Yes.
1: But because it is tailored to you, we can still use the same brand of shampoo.
0: Because what you have to do is you take their hair quiz that's designed to build your hair profile and you select up to five hair goals. So like frizzy, or do you have curly hair? Do you have, you know, all the different things. Is it oily? So that's how they develop the formulation specifically for you.
1: And how Carrie talked about colors before You can even do fragrances, and I love how shampoos and conditioners smell, but like, I got to tailor it to me. See, and what I did is I
0: did no smells, which it truly has no smell. Like, none. Oh,
1: that's awesome.
0: But now I'm like, damn, I should have put a smell in there. So next time, <laughs> I'm going to add a smell. Yeah. But I didn't add one because I have migraines. And sometimes if there's too much smell in my hair products, it gives me a headache. So that's why I chose no smell because like, I don't know how strong it's going to be. So if you have issues with smells or allergies and all of that, you can get it with no smell. Also... The shampoo is vegan, cruelty-free, with no sulfates or parabens. And you also have the option to go completely silicone-free.
1: Yeah, that's super awesome that they have all of those options for you.
0: And it's delivered to your door.
1: Best freaking part about it.
0: And it had like a lid or it sent you pumps. Yes. So I kept the lids for travel.
1: And like I said, you can put your nickname, your name, whatever it is. So mine really does say... Lil Donna. Oh, good. So if you
0: want to start giving your hair the personalized care it needs, go to functionofbeauty.com slash creep. You take your hair quiz goals, and you'll save 20% on your first order when you subscribe. No commitments. You can cancel at any time.
1: That's functionofbeauty.com slash creep. And when you use that URL code, it lets them know that y'all heard about them from our show. And again, you get 20% off your first order when you go to that URL.
0: So go to functionabeauty.com slash creep, take your hair quiz, and save 20% on your first order.
1: Well, guess what, y'all? What? <laughs> Why are you Tiny Tim? Well, you know, I'm just getting into the Christmas spirit. <laughs> I'm using a recommendation today. Cindy S., she told me about this when we were in Dallas. And it was like the last day that we all hung out. We were all leaving that day or the next day. And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to do this. So, Cindy, you might have thought I forgot about it, but I didn't. Well, I did. But then I remembered because I was going through my screenshots and there it was. And I was like, I got to do this for Cindy. So here it is. Guess where we're going? New Jersey. Close, but Long Island. That's where they're from. And we're going to talk about a lake. Now, you know I do not like dark water, so I would never go in this lake. And here's an even scarier fact about this lake. They say once you dive down past 10 feet, it's complete and total darkness. Hell no. Uh Uh-uh. Don't do that. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I saw Finding
0: Nemo. I know what's down there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, because no one can see anything, so... If someone drowns and they can't find them, the bodies are just down there. Uh Uh-uh. No. uh Uh-uh. That's literally all I can say is no, nope, nope. So the lake is called Lake Ronkonkoma. Thousands and thousands of years ago, this lake was formed by retreating glaciers. I don't know how the world works, but that's what it said. And I was like, that sounds really interesting. I don't know if that's how all lakes are formed. (laughs) I have no idea. It's the largest lake on Long Island. It's basically a mile wide and at the deepest point, it's close to 70 feet deep. Now the thing about the lake is around the shore, it's about 10 feet deep, but there's a steep drop off. And so that's what makes it so scary to people because if you're not familiar with it, you might not be anticipating that and then there's trouble. Over the last 130 years, there have been around 160 drownings, and all but a few were males. They say that there's a lady of the water who is a cause for these drownings. Like her siren song. Mm-hmm, basically. But before we go any further, let me tell you about Lake Ronkonkama. So, around the late 1800s until the mid 1950s, it was like the she she place for people in New York to have summer homes or at least vacation there. And when I say she she, I mean it. One of the families who would vacation there were the Vanderbilts. Oh, shit. They actually built the Long Island Motor Parkway, which ran from Queens to Lake Ronkonkoma. It's about 45 miles. William Kissam Vanderbilt II, he was big into auto racing and he created the Vanderbilt Cup, which was the first major road racing competition. Anyway, so this motor parkway was the first limited access roadway in the world. That meant that only automobiles were allowed on it. No horse and buggies. Which is wild to think about that like I mean, I know from movies that there was a time that people were still riding horse and buggy. Well, I was about to say, what year was this? Like, in the early
0: 1900s. Oh, okay, okay, okay.
1: In my head, we were in 1960, and I was like, horse and buggy? No, it was still a she-she place to the mid-1950s, but this is at the very beginning of all of this. Gotcha. But it's so wild to think that you see... Basically, analog and digital Mm -hmm. together, you know? And of course, my head goes to, it's the Flintstones and the Jetsons when they would uh, do their little mashup. Yes. Okay, so the Vanderbilt Cup started in 1908. And the races in the Cup went until 1910, so about two years, because the New York legislator banned street racing, basically. You had to be only on racetracks. This was a result of two riding mechanics being killed during a race and others badly injured. Which I didn't know this because I was like, a riding mechanic? So maybe it's still the same today. I thought it was just like a pit stop thing and no one rode along with you. Mm -hmm. But these people were basically the pit stop person that would ride along in the car. And if something messed up, they do it on that like road. Dang. I'm like, wait, What? (laughs) So anyway, that's just a little history for you, but now it's time to get into the legend and the lore, which is why I'm telling you about this lake. Like I said, people believe that there's a lady of the lake who causes at least one male to drown yearly. The legend, of course, has different variations, but the truth is there somewhere in the middle, the way it is with most lore. In the 1600s, so remember that, Carrie, 1600s, Mm -hmm. not 1950s, there were four Native American tribes who lived around Lake Ronkonkama, which they called Rekonkamuk, I believe, which roughly translates into boundary fishing place. And since there were four different tribes, they used the lake as their boundary for fishing, for hunting, all the things. Now, they didn't like just swim in this water all the time, because they really kind of feared it. They thought that it was actually bottomless, because it was so dark below that they were like, yeah, we're not trying to test this water, you know, and they believed that there is a whirlpool in the middle of this lake that would, you know, drag you down. And then where do you go after that? So they fished and everything. But it was like, you know, again, where it's like 10 feet, well, among those tribes were the Sawtucket tribe. The Sawtucket tribe, they had a princess named Tuskawanta, and she fell in love. But it wasn't with anyone in her tribe. It was with a white settler. His name was Hugh Birdsall, and he worked as a woodcutter on the opposite side of the lake. One day, Tuskawanta was living her best life, and she got a little wild hair and decided to travel to see what was so evil about these white settlers, like her dad, the chief, had told her. It's always the chief's daughter. Well, it's princess, so yeah.
0: No, duh. But no, I'm saying like, (laughs) in these stories, it's always like the chief's daughter who wants to go explore, and maybe it's because she doesn't have as many responsibilities as everybody else of like gathering food and all of that, so she's like, hmm, I have time to go explore.
1: Well, that's how it is with Disney movies in general. Like Ariel's King Triton Stalter. You know, it's like they have all that you could ever want. You know, like people think all they can ever want. But they're still always lacking something. Not Mm -hmm. always, but I mean, they are looking for... Love. What's out there? There must be more than this provincial life. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Different movie. Same point. (laughs) Okay. So when she made it to the other side of the lake... She carefully and quietly made her way through a little wooded area and her eyes fell upon Hugh Birdzall. He had pale skin, a nice full beard, and he was unlike any male her age she had ever seen. She was instantly smitten and finally got up the courage to go a little closer to him where he then noticed her. And so, of course, love at first sight. The two spent time together at night because they couldn't be seen together. So they would be at night in the middle of the lake or a little bit closer to his side and just laying down, learning about each other and falling head over heels while doing so. They were kind of masked by the fog that would roll in on the lake. So no one could just be like, what's old Tusky out there doing laying (laughs) out there? You know what I mean? They were just masked in... I don't know. It's kind of romantic. Okay. She's crying. (laughs) Just kidding. She's not. But of course, the chief found out and he was not happy to say the least. He punished his daughter for spending time with Hugh, who he referred to as the foe of their race. And the chief also banned Hugh from being in Lake Ronkonkoma at all. But they were in love. And like any good Romeo and Juliet story goes, they continued to contact each other. But now, Hugh couldn't step a foot in the lake. But what Tuscawanta would do is to go out in the middle of the lake in her canoe, and she would write little notes to Hugh on bark. And she would kind of push the bark along in the water and just pray that it made it to her love. She did this for seven years. Oh my god! Hopeful that one day Hugh would come and rescue her. She turned down several men for marriage because her heart belonged to to Hugh, even if they hadn't been able to see each other in years. But at the end of that seventh year, the stress and the sadness became too much for Tuskawanta to bear. And so she rode her canoe into the middle of the lake. But instead of sending a love letter, she died by suicide by stabbing herself in the chest. Oh my gosh. Yeah. As soon as she left this world, she refused to go any further because she vowed to wait for Hugh. But locals say when she drew her last breath, in that instant, the lake was cursed. And that's why there is a male who drowns every year. They say she's looking for her long lost love or someone who might make do. Now, there's one more unexplainable thing about Lake Ronkonkama. The water will rise every seven years. Now, remember, she wrote those love letters for seven years. Mm -hmm. But it's not by just like a little bit. It's like by nine to 13 feet of a rise, which would be fine. You know, like, oh, you had more rainfall this year, but it doesn't match with the local rainfall at all. So many think that it's the lake weeping for the princess and her ill-fated romance. There's got to be an explanation. So I watched an episode of Most Terrifying Place in America that featured this lake. And there is a man named David Ignary, and he recalled his experience with the lake. He was a lifeguard and was promoted to head lifeguard after a few summers. And he was a lifeguard for... Can I say lifeguard one more time? But he did that for 32 years. Jesus, that's one long summer job. I don't know why that was so funny to me. (laughs) That wasn't even funny, but it made me giggle. During his time there, it's reported that 30 drownings occurred and they were all male. In late February, early March of 1965, David experienced the same dream For seven days in a row. It revolved around him trying to rescue someone. However, when he dove in to save the person, he quickly started to panic because it was so dark and he was searching but not finding a body. That has to be so scary. Yeah. Well, he starts running out of air and he tries to calm himself down. And he said that he told himself, follow your bubbles up and you'll survive. Well, I was just about to say, like, When you're in that darkness, what's up? He said that, like, sometimes you will think that you're going up and you're going down.
0: I feel like, can you just, in that situation, just relax and you float? I mean, unless you're in an area that doesn't, like, what? No, no, no. The Dead Sea is so much salt, you float. Yeah. But, like, could you just do that, I wonder?
1: Well, I could because I got um, a lot of buoyancy. In my belly? (laughs) Yeah, not your boobs. Not my boobs. I mean,
0: same for both. But seriously, that is so terrifying.
1: Yeah, not my cup of tea. Well, when David crested the surface of the water, he heard fireworks. So David took this to be a premonition of something bad happening around July 4th. So closer to the 4th, David informed some of his fellow lifeguards, you have to be on alert. And he actually requested more lifeguards be on call that time. He wanted the best of the best. Hey, we want to do our job good every day. But today, shit could go down. Yeah. So David retold this story that on the 4th, they were packed. He said probably around 4,000 people on the beach and probably another thousand Like, in the water. Again, not my jam.
0: (laughs) Also, though, like, these people are brave, question mark, for going to this water where so many people die. I know. Like, I feel like I probably wouldn't go swimming there.
1: (laughs) Well, you know I wouldn't. Well, things were busy. They had some people who, they weren't drowning, like, oh gosh, but, you know, someone who got out a little too far and they were scared, you know, went and got them. Nothing tragic. Until later on, there was a 15-year-old boy and his father, who were swimming out in front of the middle tower, and the boy had a seizure. <gasps> he was epileptic. David said him and his staff searched for 45 minutes, but they couldn't find him. Because he said that they do a chain, too. So, like, you know, they link arms and try yeah. and all the things, and, like, nothing was working. So David was like, okay, y'all, I'm going to go down one more time. Like, it's... On me, you know, let me do this. So he went down one more time. He said he dove to about 30 feet down and he couldn't see his hands in front of him. Oh my God. So he became disoriented like we were talking about. And he, you know, was like flailing at this point. But he said, okay, I got to calm myself down. I got to do this. He said, follow your bubbles. You'll survive, you know. And so he began to go up right when his head came out of the water, he's, you know, gasping for air, and then there it is. The fireworks started going off, just like his dream. Now, before this, David was like, there's no lady of the lake, nothing's going on, you know, like people drown, it's sad, but like, it's just a tragedy. But then he was like, was that a premonition? Like, what was going on there? That was kind of supernatural. It happened exactly like in his dream." But after this, he was like, you know what? It was like the princess was taunting him by taking a life right in front of him. So he spent the rest of his lifeguarding years making sure he did everything in his power to fight back against the curse. So another story is, we're going to fast forward to 1975, and a boy had drowned a week earlier. So this is one week later, Tony Patillo. And his friend, Bill, they were down at the water's edge one night. Tony was a lifeguard there. And Tony said the water was calm. They were just sitting there chatting, enjoying the surroundings. However, Tony noticed that his friend, Bill, wasn't really talking. He was just kind of half answering Tony, you know, like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. You know, what you do to me. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Case in point, he's like, huh, he's looking at something. What is he staring at? So Tony followed his friend's gaze. And around 75 yards away, there is someone standing in the water. Now, remember, it's at night. No one's really there. It's just them. And it was chill. It was calm. Nothing was going on. So the figure in the water, it looked like they were standing in knee deep water. But Tony knew, no, that's about 30 feet deep right there. Like there's no way that they should be out of the water that much right there. Both boys reported that they saw the figure in the water and the figure had their arms raised above their head and they were like bowing repeatedly. So kind of like a ritualistic Movement. It wasn't just like thank you, thank you. Like not that. Like it was like prayer or you know something in that spiritualistic ritualness. Is that a word? They did not stay there. They're like you know what we've seen enough. Let's jet. They ran back to their car, and Tony never went back in the water after that. There's a woman who was interviewed in a New York Post article. Her name is Virginia Shuddy or Shut. Sorry, I don't know that name. And when she was little, her uncle was a lifeguard there. Well, for like a week. Because she said during that first week, he dove off the diving board. So, you know, went pretty deep in the water when he made contact. We've all seen those Olympic divers and how they do it and it looks so graceful. Well, when he came out of the water, there is a body on him. What? Yeah. Yeah. Because again, if you dive deep, you don't see what's going on. And so he, obviously he felt something on him and, but like brought it up. And yeah, he had no idea that someone had drowned recently or anything. So he wasn't expecting it. But that, oh gosh. Uh-uh. No, no thank you. No, that's. No. <sighs> Could you imagine I can't?
0: Oh. No. I don't even want seaweed on me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, I know that wouldn't be the lake, but you get the point. <laughs> oh my God. But also I know that. You may, well, you may talk about this, but like, I just think about all those people who have drowned and those poor families who never get their bodies to lay them to rest. Like, I feel like there has to be some sort of diving equipment that could get them down there.
1: There is. I mean, they have to have it. So I don't, I mean, I don't know how many people are, but you just have to think it's so dark at the bottom. So like, I don't know how much that hinders them. Get somebody a fucking headlamp and send them down there. (laughs) But I mean, even that, like, I feel like, you know, when it's foggy and you put your lights on Uh and it's just like, okay, you can't put your brights on because that makes it even worse and stuff. So I feel like that's what that is down there. I don't know. I don't do murky water. Well, of course, her uncle quit right then and there, which I don't blame him. I'd be like, uh, no, not no, but hell no. Virginia, the woman who was talking about her uncle, she said that she believes in the legend, but she doesn't think that the princess is hateful or, you know, like vengeful. She's just heartbroken and that's how she copes. I'm like, Virginia, you are me. I am you. Like, that's how I'd be. It Like, she doesn't hate people. She doesn't do it for hateful reasons. She just kills them. (laughs) She kills them with her love. For her love. Anyway, so she does believe in the legend enough that when her son was in high school, him and his friends were like, she overheard them planning a day, like we're going to spend a day out on the water, you know, all the things. So she hid the small boat that they were going to use. Oh, shit. And she was like, I'm not taking chances with his life. He could be mad, but he'll still be alive. Yeah, that's true. This same woman had a tree that had a lot of history in her yard. It's called a European Copper beech, I believe, and they originate in Scandinavia, and they live for around 600 years. This tree was one of five ordered from England and shipped to New York. It was planted in 1820 to honor the bicentennial of the whole Plymouth Rock landing, which sounds like a moon or something How I said landing, but whatevs. So it's just like so much history right there in that fucking tree, you know? So the tree stood 100 feet before it died. There's this man named Todd Arnett, and he had been looking at that tree and looking at that tree. And he told Virginia, like, I want to do something with that. So when it's dead and when you're doing, you know, like trimming off the limbs and all the things, I want to be able to do something with this tree. So, again, when it died and uh, they did, like, take off all the limbs, he had his chance. And he does, like, woodwork stuff. Like, picture those chainsaw people at your local fair and festival when they are doing, like, the wood carvings. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of stuff. But obviously, he's, like, an artiste, so he's more polished than that. So, with that tree, he made a 30-foot-tall wood carving of Tuscawanta. And they live around that lake, Virginia does. And so it's like Tuscawanta is overlooking the lake because it's so freaking tall. <laughs> it's beautiful, though. It really is. Like, how do you do that with, like, chainsaws? I don't know. Well, today the water is unswimmable because there's a large, like, algae bloom that happened or is happening, continues to happen, question mark I don't understand water. I was gonna say how long does that last? I don't know (laughs) but they have it posted like don't get in the water like even your pets don't let them in and some wonder if this is the earth's way saving the ill-fated men of Ronkonkoma. Could it be? I don't know but I want to end with this poem. It just reiterates what I've said already. But it's just like this legend of Lake Ronkonkoma is something everyone local holds near. It's called Maiden in the Lake, and it's by Lois J. Watt. A legend tells the story of a pretty Indian maid who loved a handsome pale-faced lad, but marriage was forbade. Her father chose another mate, a fine, strong Indian brave, The Indian girl could not comply, and so her life she gave. Ronkonkama, ronkonkama, the lake of sparkling water. Ronkonkama, ronkonkama, where rest the Indian daughter. In summertime, the Indian girl would call out from the lake. To lure below a pale-faced lad, she vowed that she would take. And so the legend ends of Indian maid with a lonely whale, who lingers in the murky depths, but calls in no avail. Ronkonkama Ronkonkama, the lake of sparkling water. Ronkonkama Ronkonkama, where rest the Indian daughter. Thank you so much, Cindy S., for that recommendation, and I hope I did it justice. The bigger question
0: is, Cindy, did you let your son and your husband swim in that thing? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, before she answers... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know why. I am like cracking myself up today and they're all lame jokes. <laughs> well, before we get into my story and talk more about
1: Ronkonkoma, that's just fun to say. <laughs> I hope I really said that correctly. <laughs> I really tried so hard. I like did it phonetically and everything. So if I did say it wrong, I am so sorry. Before we bashed Donna for saying that wrong... <laughs>
0: We got to tell y'all about Morning Cup of Murder because uh,
1: have y'all been listening? Because y'all know we've talked about them before. You know that you love your coffee. So when you have that Morning Cup of, what is it? Joe? hmm Listen to them because it's a daily podcast. So you really could have your Morning Cup of Coffee with a side of murder. They have over 850 episodes and they cover cases like serial killers, cults cold
0: cases, murders, and more. Morning Cup of Murder is the best way to start your day because each episode's less than 10 minutes. So it's literally the perfect thing to listen to while you're
1: having your first cup of coffee, tea, or, you know. Mimosa? Anything in the morning. I run late in the morning, so it's nice to have that bite-sized little, you know, morning cup of murder.
0: Or if you have a little short commute and you're like, man, it takes me like days to listen to podcasts because my commute's so short. This is the perfect thing for you on your way to work.
1: You know what? Visualize it as those little desk calendars that everyone wanted, especially when that Dilbert guy was so... Mm -hmm. uh, I I wanted one. (laughs) That's why I'm like, Dilbert... But, you know, he was a comic strip thing. Yeah, I know. Comic strip, comic, comic strip, whatever.
0: Either way, she wanted one. And this is basically what this podcast is. It's those daily calendars of murder in podcast form. Yes. I'll have a double cup. Well, you can get a freaking 850 cup because that's how many episodes they have. So y'all start (laughs) listening and you ain't running out for a long time. It's like an endless cup of brew. So, Morning Cup of Murder can be heard everywhere you listen to your podcast, so don't forget to check them out, Morning Cup of Murder, today.
1: And let them know we sent you.
0: So, my story today is a request from Colby.
1: Oh, so I know it's going to be good.
0: So, we're actually going to a neighboring place from where you were, and we're going to New
1: Jersey. Oh, so that's why you said it.
0: (laughs) That really is why I guessed it. So, picture it. 1989, Diane and Stephen meet... And Diane already had two daughters, but she and Steven hit it off. She and Steven end up having a daughter together in 1997 named Tiffany Valente. They lived in Mays Landing, New Jersey, and Tiffany was very outgoing, very loved. She was like just beautiful and and a super happy child and at the time of the story she was 18. She was 6'2" and a volleyball player.
1: Oh my god.
0: She's literally a foot taller than you. <laughs> she looked like a volleyball player. She's tall, she is thin, very athletic.
1: Oh, I know this story. It was on Unsolved Mysteries. God damn it. <laughs> Motherfucker. I, like, I knew this name sounded familiar. well just give it away donna then it was on unsolved mysteries oh sorry
0: but is it unsolved (laughs) yeah good save donna cricket cricket son of a beach yes this is on season three and i think the first episode of the new unsolved mysteries donna (laughs) yes it was so tiffany was graduating from high school and she had already signed to play college volleyball um But it was kind of a big deal too because she was a middle and she was going to be starting as a freshman. So it was like legit that she had some shit going for her. So on July 12th, 2015, Tiffany and her parents, Diane and Steven, they go across the street to a cousin's house for a graduation party. They hang out for a few hours, having a great time. And I mean, this is like a huge block party almost. Like there are you know, 20, 30 cars down the street. Like, this is a huge party. After a few hours, Tiffany goes home. And not long after that, about 9.15, one of Tiffany's friends is coming over. When she gets there, she calls Tiffany's mom and is like, hey, can you come over here? So, Diane's like, yeah, sure. I'll be there in a second. Like, hope everything's okay. Because it's literally across the street, right? Yeah. So, Stephen's like, well, I'll go with you. Well, when they get there, this friend tells them She and Tiffany are arguing. And this friend tells them Tiffany used her credit card without her permission. And Tiffany's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do this. And the friend's like, you fucking did this. Like, I know you did it. Right. The friend ends up leaving. And as soon as the friend leaves, Tiffany tells her mom that she did, in fact, use that friend's credit card without her permission.
1: I know. I was like, man. Because I was like, she did not. She did. And she was like. I did it. So her
0: mom's like, what the fuck? Well, she didn't say that. But she was like, what the hell, Tiffany? Like, you know you're not supposed to do this. Like, why did you do that? And she's like, well, let me go inside and tell your dad now. Like, shit, you know, he thinks everybody's on your side here. And then you lied kind of thing. So Diane walks inside to tell Stephen. And from the time she walks in, grabs him. And they walk back outside. Tiffany is gone. So they start looking for her. Because literally, it's been like, a second like where did she go right so keep in mind the parties across the street so there's like i said all of these cars and tiffany's six two so you know and throughout this whole episode they talk about how it's not very common to see people out walk in the streets if mm. you see it you notice them especially an 18 year old female that's six two like she right. stands out in a crowd yes So her parents are calling her, texting her, leaving her messages like, it's okay, come back home. Like thinking maybe she left because she was embarrassed about the credit card thing and didn't want to get in trouble. So they were like, look, we love you. Come home. Like everything's fine. Yeah, They're texting and calling and they can't find her and she's not answering her phone. So as they're looking around, Stephen sees something. It's Tiffany's cell phone in the brush on the side of the road. Remember it's 2015. She is a 18-year-old that is not going to go without her phone, much less leave it on the ground. Right. So they're like, shit, something's wrong. Like, something is wrong. She doesn't have her phone. Why is it right here? While they're looking for Tiffany, and after they found her phone, it dawns on Steven that they have a deer camera at the house. So they can look to see, did it pick Tiffany up? And it did. At 928, you see Tiffany walking across the camera, and then literally One minute later, you see the parents and their dog. So it's like that quickly, she was gone. In the camera, you can see, which they knew, but Tiffany was wearing white blue jean shorts, a black shirt. She had a cute little messy bun, and she was wearing a white sporty headband with it. And she had on some new shoes that she bought. They kind of look like Hey Dudes are now, but obviously Hey Dudes weren't a thing back then, but that's kind of what they looked like.
1: I remember those shoes.
0: Me too. I can't remember the brand of them. Uh-uh. I was When I was doing this, I was like, fuck, what was that brand? Yeah. All I can say is like the Hey
1: Dudes now, but it was like... I cannot think of it, but I know a lot of people wore them, but I just... It, they never Couldn't afford them. them. I couldn't <laughs> afford them, but I couldn't even afford the fake ones. And they just didn't look good on me. Another thing, Tiffany could wear those cute little headbands and they stayed mm. on her fucking head. How? my head nothing can stay on it like no money not even hair <laughs> <laughs> touché
0: no absolutely those things do not stick with my on my head at all they, and they
1: look so cute
0: they do you look down one time and it rolls up over yes. your well head roll <laughs> yeah. like even the back of my head's fat so here we are <laughs> At this point, her parents have called in family members to help them look. They've been looking for a few hours, and there's still, other than Tiffany's phone and the deer camera, there's no sign of Tiffany at all. So, one of Tiffany's uncles who is looking, because they kind of spread out. His name's Mickey. He decides to start, well, let me walk down towards the train tracks. Let me see what's going on. As he's walking that way, he sees at the train tracks, there's a lot of commotion. There's police activity, you know, cars, lights, all the things. And so he goes up to them and he's like, hey, so my niece is missing. Like, have y'all seen a girl, like a very unmistakable girl, a very athletic 6'2", we can't find her. Have y'all seen anything? And they're like, well, a young girl was hit by a train. Like, that's what they're doing there. Um, Do you think that you would be able to identify her to see if this person that was hit by the train is your niece? And he tells them, of course, that he could. And unfortunately, it was Tiffany who was hit by the train. Mickey, her uncle, talks about how awful it was making that identification and how thankful he was that it was him doing it and not his brother, Tiffany's father, because he was like, I don't know that he would ever get past it. Like it was gruesome and completely horrific. So together, the police and Mickey go back to Tiffany's parents to tell them what had happened. Now, because this involved a train, the New Jersey Transit Police were the ones who took over the case. Again, because it involved a train, it was on the tracks. And within just 24 hours, or maybe even less than, they had already determined that this was a suicide. Like, put calls of death as a suicide, and it was being reported in the papers that Tiffany had died by suicide. And this is where this terrible story gets even Worse because the family is like Tiffany did not die by suicide. There's no way she wasn't depressed. She had plans like in life, but also even for that week. Like, she had plans later that week to go play softball. And the very next day, she was supposed to go to like this park with her friends. And then also looking forward, she had already signed a scholarship for volleyball and had a college picked and had a roommate picked for college that they were talking and all of this. And so it's like she had plans like. I mean, I feel like it happened. That does happen. Mm-hmm. But typically, if someone is planning to die by suicide, they don't have all these plans. Like, the, she had things that she was looking forward to. So the family hires an attorney named Paul D'Amato. This is all in the Unsolved Mysteries, and we'll talk a little bit about some other stuff. But honestly, all the articles on this refer to it being on Unsolved Mysteries. There's, there wasn't much that was outside of what was on Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. So Paul D'Amato was like, okay, this family just can't accept the fact that their daughter died by suicide. I'm going to get these records from the New Jersey Transit Police, and I'm going to read through it and be like, guys, this is what happened. That's not what happened. He got the records, and he was like, there's no way. That this was a suicide. So this is what we know from the records and everything. Train number 4693 was on its way to Atlantic City. Because where they lived was like a kind of a rural area to like the northwest of Atlantic City. There was about 60 people on the train including like the conductor, like all the staff. At mile marker 45, which is the name of the episode, at 11.12pm is when the train hit tiffany the impact was on the lower left side of the train close to the tracks okay there were two engineers on the train a senior engineer and a student engineer the night that tiffany died they both were interviewed and they both said that they saw her dive in front of the train a few days later i think it was like six and ten days later both of their stories changed when they were under oath. The senior engineer said, "Actually, I didn't see anything. My back was to the tracks because he said that he was talking to the conductor." And the student who like can you imagine the student is Ugh. like, "I'm a student." I don't want to say differently than his educator. Yeah. But also, you know, they're like, I don't want to fuck up my chances of having a job in this field Mm -hmm. with the fucking New Jersey Transit. You know, this is a huge, huge deal. Can you imagine the turmoil? I mean, aside from Tiffany's family, obviously. But even just like, you know, he was getting pressure from all sides. Like, I just, I don't know. My heart broke for him Mm -hmm. as one of the many pieces in the story that broke my heart. But when he's under oath, he says... Okay, I saw something about half a mile away and a quarter mile away. And then he says that it looked like someone jumped out of the woods onto the tracks. But I'm like, okay, then if they jumped out on the tracks, why did you see something at half a mile and a quarter mile? Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden they jumped out onto the tracks. There's a whole transcript that I found online. I mean, which they kind of show this in the episode. Like they pull out excerpts that they like zoom in for you basically. But you can read that whole thing online online. Now, in the show, there was a medical examiner that talked about how, you know, the trauma of seeing this happen and how she actually said that she felt like that the student engineer didn't see her jump out, but that it was actually her body being dismembered, that it looked like it jumped, mm-hmm. which makes total sense if he saw it at half a mile and a quarter mile. And then what did he see if she jumped out from the woods?
1: Right. Right. That broke my heart to think of, like, that her uncle had to see that. The other thing, too, is how quickly it happened. So,
0: because trains have basically a little black box, just like like how a, um, an airplane has the black box that has literally every information. A train has the same thing. It tells you when the horn's been blown, when the brakes hit, like, literally everything about this train. From the moment that they blew the horn— To the moment they hit the brakes and actually made contact with Tiffany, it was four seconds.
1: Gosh.
0: So just to kind of give you an idea of like how quickly this happened and so why things could have appeared the way they appeared to this student engineer was... I mean, it was so freaking fast. Yeah. It's hard for your brain to compute literally anything that happens that fast. Yeah. Much less a traumatic event. Like, think about a car wreck, for fuck's sake. I mean, and that's just a car wreck. Yeah. You know, you rear in somebody in four seconds, and you're like, uh, okay, I think I was going this this speed. Yeah, the light was yellow. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, think about when no one's hurt. Mm-hmm. But think about the trauma of you just hit a child with the train and you're a student engineer. Yeah. So there's lots of weird parts to the story, but this is one of the parts too. I just can't wrap my head around. Tiffany was hit by the train two and a half miles from her house. And this was also like a mile from any intersection. So it was this kind of desolate place of very dark, very in the woods, very much of the, how the fuck did Tiffany end up right there? There's literally nothing but darkness where she was hit by the train. Like, there's nothing there. And there's no reason for Tiffany to have been there. There was a lot of issues with this investigation. And, you know, some people are like, look, the New Jersey Transit Police, they're great, but they're not cut out to investigate this. It's just not what they're, they're not the FBI. They're not, you know, they're just not cut out for this type of investigation. So because of this, the area was not treated as a crime scene. Because they honestly automatically kind of assumed suicide. But
1: that's a dangerous thing about assuming. Right. Well, you know what it means.
0: Yeah. Say it.
1: It makes an ass out of you and me.
0: <laughs> so people are walking around with no protection. Like, they don't have footies on. You know, they're, they're just like schlepping through this crime scene. Or, as they believe, a uh, suicide. Nobody's protecting any of the evidence. And, in fact, the family goes back... Later, i believe it was even the next day and this is so awful but they literally find pieces of tiffany there yeah like a jaw like a a part of her jaw with teeth in it they find pieces of skull with her hair in it like there are pieces of tiffany that were left behind i know that's how does that even happen
1: God, I don't know.
0: They did find a bracelet of Tiffany's that they gave back to her mom, which she wore for like a year after Tiffany's death. It's like in this almost like a curio cabinet. That's what I was
1: going to say, yeah.
0: And it's got all of her awards and, you know, just, I don't know. And it shows it all in the show. And so she put it there. Right.
1: It was a nice curio cabinet. It had lights and stuff in it. hmm
0: So, we know this was not a quality investigation if they're leaving all this stuff behind. Mm -hmm. Plus, they decided within 24 hours, without a full autopsy, that Tiffany had died by
1: suicide. Girl, my jaw dropped.
0: They didn't do a rape kit. They didn't test DNA of anything. They didn't even, like, you know, in a full autopsy, they, like, take your organs out, weigh them, do all the things. They didn't do any of that on Tiffany. Now, they did do a toxicology report, but it came back with nothing. No drugs, no alcohol, nothing in her system. And the problem is, is that a few days after her, we'll call it a quasi-autopsy, Tiffany was cremated. So all of that evidence is gone, Remember when I told you what Tiffany was wearing when she disappeared? Yes. Her black shirt, white blue jean shorts, the cute little shoes, and the headband with the messy bun. When they found Tiffany after, you know, when she was hit by the train, Tiffany only had on a shirt and underwear. So, where the fuck are her clothes? Where right. where are her shoes, her shorts, her headband like where are her clothes that right there to me should be enough to indicate how could this be suicide but they also didn't look into Tiffany's life like they didn't interview her parents they didn't do anything within this like 24 hours where they determined that it was suicide so they didn't even know if she was depressed if she was having issues with her family with her friends with her partners like they didn't do anything any investigating into that to have that be part of their determination.
1: They really didn't do any investigating.
0: Now, it should be said, though, that Tiffany did have a girlfriend that they had broken up about a week before she died. And they have phone records of it because they eventually did look at phone records and stuff. But based on that, like it was a pretty clean breakup. Like they did, there wasn't any hard feelings. Like there was no hostility, no drama, no nothing. Like it seemed to be mutual. Mm -hmm. And she even had another girlfriend now.
1: I know. I was like, okay, go on with your bad self, Tiffany.
0: So, while it could have been a reason for her to be depressed and want to die by suicide, a breakup, she literally, like, the day that she died, had sent a text, or I think it was a tweet, actually, that said that she was content. Content doesn't equal happiness. I don't know. And your social media isn't always a clear picture of what your actual life is. But there also wasn't anything in her texts that would lead you to believe that she was depressed or... Even hurting in that way.
1: And I feel like if you were going to lie like that, she would have more about her life on there, you know? Right. And it wouldn't be like, I'm really content with my life right now, which is what I think she had said. It would have been like, oh my God, beyond happy. Cannot believe, you know, yeah, to that
0: extent. Right. So her parents, of course, couldn't get past where the fuck are her clothes. So they would just walk over and over and over again, this path that she would have had to have taken to get to the train. You really do need to go watch the um, Unsolved Mysteries because it does a good job of like showing you a map and like, these are the lines, you know, of the way that she would have taken. and This is the distance. And like, it does a really good job of that. So one day her mom is walking and she sees something by this tree. And she's like, what is that? And she looks and it is Tiffany's shoes. So she literally falls to the ground crying because she is like, oh my God, these are my baby's shoes. And she looks up and just about six feet from where she is from the shoes, she sees Tiffany's headband. Now this is found almost two miles from where she was hit by the train. And to this day, we still don't know where Tiffany's shorts are to this day. When her mom found her shoes and the headband, they took pictures of it. They called New Jersey transit And they did come and get the shoes for evidence, but they never tested them past that. Like they just got them and they never tested them. And even after finding her shoes there, the New Jersey Transit Authority is still like, we're standing by the cause of death, the suicide. But what this would mean is that Tiffany would have had to have walked two miles with no shoes. But here's the thing. At the quasi autopsy they did and all of that, Tiffany's feet were clean. So, how could she have walked that far and not have had, like, the ultimate grocery store feet?
1: Well, and not even that, but they said the train tracks were, like, ouchy.
0: Yeah. So, when Colby and I watched this, he talked about how, like, he's done work around train tracks and all of that. That they're intentionally ouchy, like you said. Like, they have really jagged rocks. The wood on it is, like, really splintery. Like, it's intentionally that way to keep people off of them. And so, there's... Literally, no way that her feet would have not have been all cut up. Like, not just like dirty. She would have been cut up from being on the tracks that way. Even in the show, a guy says like, when he was walking on it with work boots, like it was affecting his feet. You know? Yeah. And then there's a part where um one of the like private investigators or whomever was driving down it, and it's like, you know, it's awful. Like there is no way that she could have gotten on the tracks that way without her feet getting messed up again, but also walking that far with them being clean. So like, it's kind of like a two part for me. One, her feet were clean. So there's literally no way she walked through woods, roads, all of that with her feet being that clean, but also her feet were not cut up. Then there was like this huge bomb to me that was dropped legit. When they did this, I was like (gasps) out loud. So they pull up the still image from the deer camera because the deer camera is not like a surveillance camera. It creates still images. It's not a security camera. It's like, oh, there's movement. Snap a picture. So in this still image that the camera creates, you see Tiffany walking. You would never be able to keep up with her. Did you see how no. long? do you see how long her stride yes, was? Yes, I
1: did. I was like, nope, ain't no way. I
0: know. And they were like, in her mom said about her, the picture. She's walking at her normal pace or like she she didn't look like she was like walking in a hurry like she wasn't fast walking like you could tell by her hand position and all that but i'm like god that girl's stride was so long she She looks like she was walking fast to me but it's just because she's so tall but to the far right of the image you can see headlights and her mom is like the best thing i can come up with is whoever was in that car said her name and she walked towards them it had to have been someone that she knew and she got in the car, and they took her phone and threw it out the window right there. Yeah. Because that's where they found her phone. That would explain how she ended up, you know, two miles away, two and a half miles away, with nothing on her feet and all of that, if she had gotten there by car. But also, that would explain how she up and disappeared literally within a minute, and she couldn't hear them calling her name or whatever. Yeah. You know? Because... If it had only been a minute, even with that long stride, she wouldn't have gotten so far away that she couldn't hear them calling her name. Yeah. Another thing is, is that where she was hit on the tracks, because remember, it was kind of to the the bottom of the train in that it was almost like she was laying on the tracks. Mm -hmm. Right where she would have had to have been laying, there was a pool of blood. It was very dark and there was a pool of blood. That kind of makes you think that she was already dead on the tracks when she was hit by the train. But the thing is, is that that blood and all of that was never tested. They said that they already had enough to prove it was suicide. Some of her friends did interviews with investigators later because there was some, like, three people talking in a gas station. The worker, like, overheard them, and basically they were saying that, um... A couple of people had taken Tiffany in the car and took her to the tracks, like held a gun to her to embarrass her. Kind of like that other story I did where they took that Mm -hmm. girl and basically they killed her. And so when he told police that, so they interviewed all those people. So they interviewed some of her friends and some of them did say that she was depressed. And they're like, if you knew her as well as we did, you'd know that she was depressed. So, even with that, with all of that, in 2018, the New Jersey Medical Examiner reviewed the case, and they still upheld their suicide ruling. So, before we get into the parts of the story that Netflix didn't cover, we first got to talk about apostrophe. Look, the holiday season's upon us. It's here. And you know what? You want your skin just to look glorious for those family pictures. You know, you might be getting a ring this year. You might be getting all the things. And you're like, I want my skin to look glorious. (laughs) So you want to pop over onto Apostrophe, where that online platform is going to connect you with an expert dermatology team to get a customized treatment program for your skin. Whether it's acne, which is like what they're really good at, but whether it's acne, rosacea, fine lines, and wrinkles, the whole gamut of skin care, they're going to take care of you.
1: I was trying to think of some Christmas carols to add some pizzazz, some little holiday cheer in this. But every time I was talking about skin in it, in my head, uh-huh. I kind of sounded like... Ed Gein. Yeah. You're going to put the face lotion
0: in the basket, Silence of the Lambs?
1: Yes. <laughs> but seriously, you want them to put this in your stocking.
0: Oh, good thinking. So, look with apostrophe though. It's not just lotions. You get access to oral and topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear your acne and meet all of your face goals. Well, skin goals. That also sounded very edgy.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because it's not just your face that you know. You might have back knee or chest knee. Chest knees roasting on an open.
0: Good try. But all you have to do is fill out an online consultation about your skin goals, your medical history, take a few little selfies, and a board-certified dermatologist will create your initial customized treatment plan.
1: Snap those selfies like you're going to snap into that gingerbread man.
0: So Apostrophe offers access to prescription treatments, like Donna said, for all types of skin needs. Acne, back knee, chest knee, butt knee. Literally breakouts from head to toe. But it's not just acne. It will treat rosacea.
1: Fine lines, head to toe. It will make you glow.
0: So we got a special deal just for y'all. You're going to get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash creep when you use promo code creep. That's a savings of $15.
1: For $5.
0: Okay, wow. We're, we're really going with this holiday theme. <laughs>
1: You're going to be getting a lot of gifts that you might not use on the daily, but you will use apostrophe.
0: So go to apostrophe.com slash creep, click get started, then use our promo code creep at sign up and you'll get your first visit for
1: only $5. So that is A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash creep. And then
0: use promo code creep to get those savings.
1: What kind of holiday spirit was that?
0: Uh, that was just my regular old savings.
1: Mm. Dashing through the snow to apostrophe we go. Okay.
0: So there was a couple of articles that were like, what the Netflix series left out. Ba 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 ba. Apparently there was an axe next to where Tiffany's body was found. Wait, what? Like a literal axe with quote red markings. That was never tested. But guess what they did? They did take it, but they never tested it. And, and guess what?
1: It's gone. It got lost. Convenient. Because, How do you lose an
0: axe? Well, and two, because the autopsy said her body had a lot of cuts on it. Ooh. So they, they made a point to point that out in the Unsolved Mysteries because it wasn't like scratches from the train or the tracks or whatever. It was like cuts. It just seemed to be, the way it was worded, like that didn't happen from the train. And then the other thing was that a dog handler from the Atlantic County Sheriff's Office came up to see like if they could find anything. They were out there for four days and according to this article that the dog led the handler along this like 3.2 mile route or route which is where they think Tiffany was murdered.
1: Oh, shit.
0: But now some people are like, well, that was left out because some people don't think that like the canine units like that are as reliable. But this is my question, though. How would that dog have followed that route if it was by car? Right. I don't understand. But there's still so many questions that remain. Like, how did Tiffany end up almost three miles from her house at this random spot on the tracks? What happened to her clothes? Like, where are her shorts? We still don't know. And Who would have wanted her dead if it wasn't a suicide? Or was it just some random attack? Her family believes that it was someone that she knew. That whoever came up in that car, she knew them. They called her name. She got in. And as soon as she got in that car, she knew something was wrong because they threw her phone out. And then that maybe at some point where her shoes were found, she got away because of just like how the shoes were positioned. Her mom felt like she was just like plucked out of them, you know?
1: Oh, God.
0: Her mom even demonstrated how she thinks that she was like holding on to that tree and they pulled her off of it.
1: God, that breaks my heart.
0: So I don't know, but I certainly do think that there was some foul play involved because it wasn't like it was dead of winter. And she was getting hypothermia. And you know how people, when they're getting hypothermia, they like take their clothes off. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense, but it's how we yeah. know that people react. So it wasn't like it was dead of winter and she was going through that. It was July. So why would her clothes have come off? Like, mm-hmm. And then also, where are her shorts? Like yeah, if you've gone that path, yes, could an animal have taken them and all the things? There's just so many questions. And just the fact that it was ruled... A suicide so quickly before anything was a full autopsy. A, I mean, a rape kit. Literally anything was yeah. done. And those things were still never done. I just wish she hadn't have been cremated so quickly.
1: Yeah. But, you know, they didn't know that none of that had been tested. Right. And so they're just trying to put their girl to rest.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm not blaming the family by any means.
1: Yeah. It just sucks. Because.
0: Hindsight's twenty twenty.
1: Yeah. It's heartbreaking. I'm like you. When I watched that, I was like, there's something that's not making sense. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it happened. But yeah, I just do not think it was suicide. I just don't understand why she would have gotten out of any clothes to stand there. But miraculously, her feet were like not messed up. Because I've walked on a track that was not in use anymore. And it is bumpy. And those rocks are those ouchy rocks. Like, you wouldn't just be standing there barefoot. They don't know how long because it's not like she knew the train's timing.
0: That's so true. And I know suicide is so hard to understand. And of course, nobody wants to believe that their child could die by suicide. But there were literally no other indicators. And I know that there's not always. Mm -hmm. But there were no other indicators. And if you look at statistically, women do not die by suicide in such a graphic manner women tend to do like pills or something like that like whereas like men are more likely to die by suicide from like a gunshot wound you know Mm -hmm. something with more violence I just don't know, like why right then, why right there, why there's so many
1: yeah whys
0: that we just don't know the answers to.
1: And also, like how her friend said, if you knew were like us, you'd know that she was depressed. Depression doesn't mean that you have suicidal ideations, though.
0: So true. Depression's so hard to explain to people who don't experience it, and so is suicidal ideations. Like mm-hmm. it's so again, it's not a clear black and white of was she suicidal or not like we don't know right and nobody would know that but her probably we can't say for a hundred percent fact this was not suicide right but there are other indicators that definitely point to some sort of suspicion as to there was foul play my two biggest things are where the fuck are her clothes like why were they so what they did find why was it so far away and why were her feet so clean like, it, there's no way that she would have walked from where her shoes are to where she died and have had clean feet. It, it would not have fucking happened.
1: Right. What do you think happened? I don't know, but I I don't think it was suicide. I don't think it was intentional on her part. I'll say that. I, I just don't think it was. Because of the same reasons you're saying, I don't know what it would be. I mean, it could have been anyone who picked her up.
0: But there were definite headlights in that image captured from the deer camera.
1: Yeah. I want to say that it looked like she had heard her name called or something. Well, the mom just thought that. Oh, okay. I remember something about that. But I have a face. Like, when you call my name, like, my mouth is kind of open. And I'm like, huh? Like, that's... <laughs> anytime anyone does it. And God, please don't be behind me because I look like I'm trying to eat my ear. Okay, wow. Uh, my brother said I could. And I was a little Donna. And I tried every time he said, it. he was like, no, 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 you're so close. Do it again. You know me. Okay.
0: Whatever you say, brother. Literally, brother. <laughs> y'all let us know what y'all think happened to Tina. And y'all let us know what you think is going on in this lake. Is the princess trying to find her bow or is it an undertow?
1: Ooh, look you. The, Look,
0: on the fly. Fly fishing. Okay. Okay, stop. No. <laughs> I know
1: I said no. Thank y'all so much for
0: listening and supporting us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, and remember,
1: creep it real
0: and and don't get scared. scared.